welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the Executive Director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families struggling through the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the Angel Mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm great today. Good, good, <laughs> excellent. Uh, you, nobody can see this, but you now have a new desk that we're working off of. So yes. this is new podcast home. Yes. So Philip and I record these podcasts in my office, mm-hmm. and uh, this has kind of been the last on the to do list of our remodel. And I actually got it all organized somewhat today with a desk, and I feel super happy about yeah, that. Yeah, you sure did. This this is this is this is the founder slash CEO room right here. This is what it looks like. I mean it still needs some sprucing, you, you know. You but. need some pictures on the wall. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Um, because right now it has a real like mental institution feel on the oh, on the thanks. walls. Yeah. No problem. Well that's probably why it feels so comforting. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, that's God. hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, thanks everybody for joining us yet again through our five, we are going through our five stages of grief podcast. We're, we're tackling each phase at a time and we're culminating with uh, a really lovely podcast with a special guest who will talk about the sixth stage of meaning that not everybody usually delves into, which is attempting to find meaning in the passing of your loved one. Uh, as, as you all know by now, we are actually kind of going through the five stages of grief that were originally established by a lady named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, uh, who wrote a book called On Death and Dying in 1969. And this is the book that coins the very famous stages that everybody now has come to know when it comes to grief. This stage is a real feel-good stage. This is depression. Yeah. Aren't they also so great? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one um, is obviously the one that is commonly accepted as the form of grief. Everybody knows what this looks like. Uh, This particular stage can take on different forms. It can take on a physical form. A lot of people equate like comfort eating with with this, comfort shopping. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a form of dealing with your depression. The world might seem too much and too overwhelming for you to face. You certainly don't want to be around others. You don't like you don't feel like talking, and uh, you definitely experience feelings of hopelessness in this particular stage. And you might even, for some folks, have drastic thoughts, like suicidal thoughts. What's the point in going on? Yeah. That's that's this particular stage. It is it is not a feel-good stage, that is for sure. So, Bryn, are you okay with diving into the questions? Oh, yes. Let's uh, Let's do it. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> depression. Okay, Bryn. So uh, we just talked about what it looks like for others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, typically, what did depression, what did this stage look like for you? I want to start by saying that I do think depression comes in many forms and many levels. So mm-hmm. you know how when we started in this intro, you said that everybody suffered depression at some point in their life. Yeah. And you might know what it feels like. Well, before I lost Rowan, I can say that I, what I thought depression was, was like... Not depression. Not depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, after I lost Rowan, and then I actually really experienced... True. True depression. Um, I was like, wow, I had no idea yeah. what this really felt like. Um, for me, it was just like the darkest of dark places to be. Um, just constantly feeling like you're drowning and you're at rock bottom. And I didn't have a lot of energy to do anything and I was overwhelmed Mm -hmm. 
my depression came in a form of more anxiety mm. and um, being overwhelmed with the easiest, most simple tasks. Um, and I think anxiety and depression can go hand in hand really easy for a lot of people. And that was more my case where I was um, anxious to go to work. I was mm-hmm. anxious to go to the store. I was anxious to leave my kids. I was anxious to leave my husband. Um, and then I think, you know, that was hand in hand with depression. Yeah. I think, you know, you definitely feel helpless and alone. Mm-hmm. I think when you're in a really depressed state, you don't feel like you have anybody else that could really understand. Yeah. Is how I felt. Because um, I know you hear about other people being depressed and you read about depression and stuff, but I think it can be a really lonely place where uh-huh. you don't feel like you can really talk to many people about it, nor want to. Like, right. it's not something you want to openly admit or talk about um, the deep, dark right. sadness of it all. Um, and the truth is, is everybody wants to fix you. Mm-hmm. You know, I had so many people like wanting to take my pain away or make me feel better. And the truth is, is it's not possible for anybody else to fix you. Right. Um, you can only, you're in control and the only person that can fix you is you. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so depression was it's obviously a rough place for everybody. And, um, I was there for a really long time until I started to make the decision that do I want to stay rock bottom or start swimming and move forward again Mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. And when I kind of came to that decision of really hitting rock bottom, that's when I started to make changes and try to feel better and get healthy and stuff. How long did, uh, the really deep depression last for you? And did it start, I mean, you were obviously, that's the thing about the stages. We've talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. They are not linear. So you obviously experienced f- depression immediately, of course, yeah. right afterwards. How long did that last? I mean, for years. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you obviously go into this depression right after loss. Right. Um, I don't think it's even... Um, able to avoid it really i mean it's i don't like, see how you no, could. i just don't think you can because you're you're battling obviously your um denial right the shock the anger and that all you know leads you to depression and right. so i was going through all those other phases while i was depressed but i mean it was years and you know it's it's debilitating at times so once I finally did hit that place where I was like, I have to get help. Um, and it's been a roller coaster along the way. You know, I don't think you can say, oh, I've just been in this deep, dark depression straight solid for five years because yeah. I've had highs and I've had lows. I've mm-hmm. had times where I feel really, really good for months on end where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I finally feel like me again. And mm-hmm. um, then there can be a trigger at some point or even not just a trigger of like a a date, like Rowan's birth date is sure, always a trigger. Sure. But even if you have a lot going on, like event season for us here at work can sometimes really put me in kind of a depression mm-hmm. for a while. Have you ever noticed that other uh, outwardly things mm-hmm. have perhaps caused inward depression? For sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, honestly, like I, I really have to tune out sometimes, I guess, other children's passing. Oh, wow. uh, Because it's such a reality for me that I take on and I feel their pain. Yeah. And I'm sure other parents that have lost children feel that way too. Absolutely. But like when I read a case about um, a child passing, like it's obviously what I've chosen to do 
as my job now, but there's some, sometimes where I just can't do it. Like, and yeah. I mentally just check out where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to read yeah. these. Or if I see stuff, you know, cause a lot of people reach out obviously for assistance and for help. And, um, sometimes if I'm like not in a really good mental state myself, I just know I'm not going to read that, but I'll like forward it on to somebody else that might need to. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, that can definitely trigger depression. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think I'd be alone in that boat. I think, I think other parents that lose a child, when you hear about somebody else that's suffering or enduring that same situation that they did, it's like knocks the wind out of you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Because you know the pain. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're going through that too. Yeah. Yeah. And for um, sure. Yeah. That's really, I think that that, I mean, and it's unavoidable in the line of work that you have. Right. Right. Because you, because we do, we do get an, you know, an average of, of, of seven or eight uh, grants as we call them per month. And right. so, you know, you, you're seeing them as well. Well, it's so weird because before I'd suffered the loss of a child, mm-hmm. I never heard it. I never noticed it. It's just yeah. like when you name yeah. your child a name yeah. and then you see it and hear it everywhere. Right. Well, I never ever thought in my little bubble of the world before about child loss Yeah. until it happened to me and affected me. And now, I mean, I see it every day and right. I notice it everywhere I go. And then There'll be people that I know, knew in the past that I had no idea that they'd lost a child that is that have obviously brought it up to me. Yeah. So it makes you realize that um, once it's your reality, yeah, you're surrounded by it and you see it everywhere and just how common it really is. Yeah. Um, but it also gives you a little bit of comfort knowing that you're not alone in your battle. Right. Because, you know, I'll have even old clients or something that when I was a hairdresser that would reach out to me after uh, Rowan passed and say, you know, I lost my child 20 years ago and I've never shared that with you. But wow. Um, so things like that where we're surrounded by these people that have this in common with us that we may mm. not even know. Yeah. Um, and everybody's situation is different and, and how you handle your grief and how you go through it is all, um, you know, different depending on you and your situation. But I think at least knowing that we all do have that in common that mm-hmm. we share that deep pain inside and you can just look in somebody's eyes and see it. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's not the easiest. Se- this is not the easiest segue we've ever made, but we're going to now jump into a rays of light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about something we're positive around you, here. We're going to take you on a, a roller coaster of emotions in this particular podcast. Yeah. Um, so obviously, for those who who uh, have been listening, we've been doing since the quarantine has happened. Which actually, the quarantine brings out its own feelings of depression and loneliness, and, right? And those sort of things. We've decided to try and showcase some of the silver linings and unsung heroes in this entire sort of uh, unprecedented crisis that we've been in. And so these are uh, some of Rowan's rays of light. Bryn, do you have a ray of light? I sure do. Okay. Um, this is out of Kansas. And a man was caught on camera, uh, the doorbell cameras, mowing the lawn for a, bi- a blind woman. Oh. Um, so it was just a random stranger doing a, ra- a random act of kindness. And Ann Darby and Rebecca Cox got their alert from their ring doorbell. And it was just a guy out mowing their lawn. And they've never been able to track him down to even say thank you. They have oh no my idea. Gosh. Yeah, they have no idea who it was. They even called the city to ask yeah. if their employees did it for him. And yeah. no, they have no idea who this random nice man was. That's but, so cool. Um, the gal that lived there is blind, so she yeah. uh, can't do it herself. Yeah. And some nice, nice Samaritan job, just fella. went and 
mowed her lawn. That's awesome. Nice job, fella. Yeah. I like that. He can come over anytime. Yeah. <laughs> you can come and anonymously mow my lawn Even anytime Kansas you want. Kansas is quite a ways away. Right. You'd be <laughs> trucking that lawnmower a long way. Yes, you would. Nice job. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mine comes out of uh, Tennessee. And this is, I thought, was really neat. So, obviously, it's the time of year. Those of us who, who um, have kids are, are well aware of, of these times. The end of the school year. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of us who have small kids and are teaching them are rooting super hard for the end of the school year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but others might be meeting these, the end of this with a bit more sadness because their, their children are graduates. And may not have the yeah. cool ceremony that a lot of high school graduates have gotten in past years. So a dad in Tennessee rented a stage, a podium, steps, and a backdrop. Cool. Uh, also got a gown and a cap and got a gown and a cap for his daughter. And then on their front lawn did their graduation ceremony. Oh, that there, is so a cool. Right there. Dang, that's impressive. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Right? There's a there's a really cool picture we'll share. But uh, basically, this father did his daughter's graduation. Cool. Which I thought was pretty neat. That's pretty yeah. cool. So uh, we're going to keep those coming for as long as we can. It might even be a segment that goes beyond, oh, even phase two. As yeah. we are in right now. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll keep, we'll keep presenting those. These are Rowan's Rays of Light. All right, so getting back to the questions, let's kind of talk a little bit about um, where you are now and what got you here. So what really started helping you deal with your depression? Well, I think after you endure loss, I think you really learn to appreciate the small things. Mm -hmm. And I think finding what brought me joy and happiness, even if it was as simple as a good cup of coffee in the morning sitting outside listening yeah. to the birds chirp yeah. Yeah. was like the first step. Okay. So I think just the little things and starting to find joy and happiness in my day really started giving me just even five minutes of something to be happy about mm-hmm. or my kids laughing, like being able to be home and like hear my kids laughing, but then they start fighting, you know, yeah. but you <laughs> yeah. know, like those little moments, I feel like they're so precious and you cherish them after you lose a child so much more. At least I have been personally where I'm like, well, I really cherish this moment in time right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think f- just even surrounding myself with positive people and doing like positive experiences, being able to give back in any way, like mm-hmm. I said, connecting with other families that have lost children has been really not only beneficial for them, but beneficial for me because yeah. I feel like I've found a new purpose as well. That's cool. Where, um, We'll talk about this next. We keep bringing it up, but finding meaning in your loss. And I definitely feel like finding my own meaning has helped me overcome a lot as well. Not only focusing on what Rowan's purpose was here and what her meaning was, but really moving forward um, was just being able to give back and start to feel like I have a purpose here because you feel so lost and you feel like, well, where do I go from here? Yeah. Your life has turned upside down. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know how to physically like go back to work and like I didn't want to drive. And again, you feel like you're starting over at life. Yeah. And I think finding the things that bring you joy and happiness or even being able to contribute that to other people really can help you move forward in your grief. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's always going to hurt. You're always going to have the grief, mm-hmm. but it's about, you know, finding the movement or the, yeah, the movement to go forward. Yeah. I mean, anything to help you feel better and 
go day by day. I think you make a good point. I think the meaning, that particular podcast mm -hmm. and talking about um, looking for that seems to be one of the things that can help you the most. This is the stage that benefits the most from you trying to find the meaning in, yeah. in, in it because then it, it gives it something. I think it's human nature to want answers. Yeah. You know, and when you're left, which we've talked about before with with questions. Yeah. Whose fault is it? Right. Why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you run these questions and scenarios through your head for a really long time. But I think when you finally get through the accept acceptance phase and you start thinking about, well, what's the reasoning? Mm -hmm. And you can go through a long, deep, dark bunny hole on that. Yeah, right. Um, which I think is totally normal. But I think when you start to really see the beautiful things that can come out of loss, it helps. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to like like that that's right. the outcome. Right. And I I will never like that this is my outcome that I lost a child. Yeah. But I can see the beauty in everything that she's brought in her seventeen yeah. months here on earth. Yeah. Um and when I can look at that, it helps put a piece back in that broken heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So you've talked a little bit about already some of the bouts of depression that you experience mm -hmm. today and what brings them on. What are some of the things you do today to help you get through some of that grief? Um, I, I really am a huge fan of slowing down. And I think with, you know, quarantine life, we've all had that. You've been forced. We've been forced. <laughs> and I can tell you that that's really nice to have that time for mm. me to reflect. Personally, I've... I've actually huh. really enjoyed the reflecting part of it of, um, yeah, like Rowan's life and then the beauty that has come out of all of the tragedy. And um, it's it's just helped me think about what Rowan's meaning is and just having the time to do that. Because when in our normal lives do we have time to really just sit still yeah. and um, be present with our thoughts yeah. for a longer period of time, you yeah. know, and be present with my kids. And um, I feel like that's been beneficial for me. And I hope it's been beneficial for some of you others that have been grieving to maybe just take that time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because regardless, as much as we want to fight these stages of grief, like nobody wants to go through them. They just are terrible in your heart. It just hurts and you're broken. Yeah. But to move forward and to start to feel better, you really just have to. Like yeah. there's no way to move forward and start feeling better until you get through these phases. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't mean that they're not going to still sneak up on you and come back right. at some point during your grief. But I can say now that like it, you still have pain in your heart, but it's so much easier to like manage. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think reflecting on your child's life or the person that you lost, like their life here and their time here and mm -hmm. what, what they brought to the table and what their life purpose was is really helpful. Yeah. And again, I find that little things that bring me comfort and joy. Yeah. Uh, I always talk about nature, but I love being outside for a, a hike um, and also writing it out or talking it out. So okay. I haven't talked a lot about that besides going to therapy, but if you're not somebody that wants to go to therapy, um, get a journal and write out your feelings because I think it's really healing to just get it off your chest. Mm -hmm. You don't need to carry that burden around by yourself. Right, right, yeah. It's so heavy. Yeah. It's so heavy. So I think when you can start to release any of it, little by little, you start to feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah and lighter. Sense. And 
I know when you're really deep in your depression, you do, you feel heavy. You feel, you feel weighed down. You're exhausted all the time. Yeah. And then the more you get out, it's like the lighter your load gets yeah. and you feel yeah. a little better every day. So, yeah. um, I, I wrote every day. I wrote a book about it. Um, yeah, you wrote a book. You I didn't blog. just write. Yeah, you I wrote, wrote a book, book. <laughs> and I blog. And yeah. the reason I started blogging was honestly because it was like a release for me. Mm. Um, mm. And then when I started getting good feedback from fellow angel families yeah. about how they appreciated it, like being honest and open and raw, that's kind of been a motivator to keep me going with my writing because yeah. it was beneficial for me to let it out and be honest about it. And I had some, you know, good feedback. So I think find the things that make you feel better yeah. and do yeah. them. I mean, even if you don't want to share it with people and blog it and share it, you know, write it in your own journal mm -hmm. and burn it after you're done if you yeah. don't want anybody to see it. <laughs> right, but right. Getting it out there is very helpful. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, as we have said multiple times on this show, um, especially through these stages of grief, we are not uh, professionals. Um, and so if you are, this is the, this is the toughest stage in terms of, uh, suicidal thoughts and things like that. So if you are experiencing those, we do encourage you to go, go talk to somebody. There is a place called the crisis clinic of Thurston and Mason counties. If you're down here and then, if, and then of course the suicide prevention hotline, mm -hmm. uh, you can just Google that and we encourage you to do that instead of the other thing. Yeah, you, you the like I said before, the the world wants you around. Keep so fighting the keep, fight. Keep fighting the keep fighting the good fight. Um, so make sure if you have to again the crisis line of Mason Thurston counties, and then of course the suicide uh, suicide prevention hotline. That's going to do it for uh, this particular podcast. We only have one more actual of the five stages left. That is next week. That is acceptance. And then we have the really good one, which is talking about the meaning of it all. And then, of course, we will hit you with some fun podcasts where you will get to know the staff and volunteers and board of Race for Rowan. We have some really fun questions we're going to ask them. I think Bryn even wants to ask me some questions, so that'll well, be interesting. I'll be on the hot seat. Yep. Um, we also still have our run for Rowan. That is happening uh, the weekend of Father's Day, so June 19th, 20th, and 21st. You don't even have to, like, come out and do anything in a massive group of people. You can literally sign up on our website, and you can – it's 25 bucks. You get a nice, neat little shirt, and then you also get to take pictures with the family as you're doing your 5K or 10K. Make sure you load them up, load up, upload your time, and then we will be giving out medals the Monday after everything is over. Also, new thing this year with the run, you can get a bandana for your pet, just saying. And who doesn't love that? Uh, exactly. It I want to see the pet pictures now, too. I know. It so. is a Raise for Rowan branded bandana for your pet. So Pretty if cool. you have a pet that you want to include, you can do that. Uh, so that's going to be our show for this week. We really appreciate everybody hopping on. We appreciate the support, continued support. We've gotten a lot of subscribers, over 150 subscribers so far. So thank you for everybody who has subscribed and listens to the podcast. Sometimes this uh, content can be a little heavy. But we hope that folks are getting something out of it. Keep tuning in, and we will have some more. Uh, we'll have some more content about the five stages of grief next week, and then some more fun, uplifting content after that. So, enjoy Great. the rest of your week. See you later, everybody. Bye.